This morning I'll be preaching from Psalm 119. I'll read verses 1 through 40, but I'll be concentrating and preaching on the first eight verses. Listen as I read God's word. Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with the whole heart. They also do no iniquity. They walk in his ways. You have commanded us to keep your precepts diligently. Oh, that my ways were directed to keep your statutes. Then I would not be ashamed when I look into all your commandments. I will praise you with uprightness of heart when I learn your righteous judgments. I will keep your statutes, who oh, do not forsake me utterly. How can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word. With my whole heart I have sought you. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord, teach me your statutes. With my lips I have declared all the judgments of your mouth. I've rejoiced in the way of your testimonies as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and contemplate your ways. I will delight myself in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Deal bountifully with your servant that I may live and keep your word. Open my eyes that I may see wondrous things from your law. I am a stranger in the earth. Do not hide your commandments from me. My soul breaks with longing for your judgments at all times. You rebuke the proud, the cursed, who stray from your commandments. Remove from me reproach and contempt, for I have kept your testimonies. Princes also sit and speak against me, but your servant meditates on your statutes. Your testimonies also are my delight and my counselor. My soul clings to the dust. Revive me according to your word. I have declared my ways and you answered me. Teach me your statutes. Make me understand the way of your precepts. So shall I meditate on your wonderful works. My soul melts from heaviness. Strengthen me according to your word. Remove from me the way of lying and grant me your law graciously. I have chosen the way of truth. Your judgments I have laid before me. I cling to your testimonies. O Lord, do not put me to shame. I will run the course of your commandments, for you shall enlarge my heart. Teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes, and I shall keep it to the end. Give me understanding, and I shall keep your law. Indeed, I shall observe it with my whole heart. Make me walk in the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. Incline my heart to your testimonies, and not to covetousness. Turn away my eyes from looking at worthless things, and revive me in your way. Establish your word to your servant, who is devoted to fearing you. Turn away my reproach, which I dread, for your judgments are good. Behold, I long for your precepts. Revive me in your righteousness.
In the midst of this series that we've been going through this year of learning to love the Psalms, I've told you that I grew up singing the Psalms. We would sing them in every season of life and every season of the year. And I hope that you are discovering, as I did as I grew up, that the Psalms touch the entirety of our lives. There's every event, every emotion, everything that is about the Christian life can be found in the Psalms. Well, we've heard it said that there is an app for that, that on your smartphone that you can find an app to cover just about anything. Well, one of the members of the congregation recently reflected about what God had been teaching him, and he said, there's a Psalm for that. So kind of like that, that meme that there's an app for that, you can say there's a Psalm for that. We've been discovering that throughout this year. We've been learning to love the Psalms. We've been discovering that the Psalms are indeed applicable in all of our lives. So today, as I take up Psalm 119, I want to help you to understand the importance of God's word, both in the written word and in the word incarnate, our Savior, Jesus Christ. And this, as you might know, is the longest psalm in the Psalter. It's the longest book in all of the Bible. It has 176 verses. So I'm going to break it up throughout this month, and I'm going to preach on it each week throughout the month of December. There are several reasons why I'm going to do that. One of them is because it's so long, it deserves a little bit of, of time so that we don't just read one portion of it and say, well, there's the rest of it. You can read that on your own. No, I want to read and to preach from this in a more intense and dedicated fashion. It also deserves attention because of the fascinating poetic form that it takes. Perhaps you've studied Psalm 119 before, and you know that there's, there's a special form that it takes. It's broken into 22 different stanzas of eight verses apiece. And you can see that division, usually in our English Bibles, you can see that there are spaces in between the different stanzas. So eight verses, and then eight verses, and eight verses, and so on. And then each of the verses in the stanza are all begun with one of the letters of the Hebrew alphabet. So verses 1 through 8 start with the letter, uh, what we would call A. It's a Greek letter, Aleph. And in, the, in this Bible, it even gives that Aleph as a, as a way for you to identify some of that poetic nature. Now, it's lost a little bit as it's translated into English because... Uh, the, uh, the English doesn't have all of the verses beginning with the letter A. But I want you to know that because uh, uh, there's a, a purposeful poetic nature to this psalm. But mainly, I chose this to be our psalm of the month and to preach from it throughout the month because of the subject. And I've made this point already, but I'll make it again. From beginning to end, Psalm 119 meditates 
on the incomparable glory of the word of God, as one commentator puts it, the incomparable glory of the word of God. You'll find that the psalmist David mentions God's word in 173 of the 176 verses. If you do your math, that means that there are only three verses in this long chapter that don't contain something directly mentioning the word of God. And in those 173 verses, you'll find that David uses eight different ways to refer to God's word. He calls it the Lord's Torah, his law, his statutes, commandments, ordinances, testimonies, God's ways and paths. And most intriguing for me today, it often uses the term God's word to refer to the scriptures or to the writings that we have. So the subject of the psalm is clearly the incomparable glory of God's word, which leads to the last reason that I chose this psalm. It is because this psalm is about our Redeemer, Jesus. We understand that the main overarching story of the entire scriptures from beginning to end, from Genesis to Revelation, is the, is the account of Jesus Christ. It doesn't just begin in the New Testament when Jesus was born in the manger and came to be our Savior. No, it, it starts from all eternity past, and the entirety of Scripture reveals the plan and purpose of God to send Jesus Christ, the Son of God, to be our Redeemer. And so throughout this series of learning to love the Psalms, I've been encouraging you to read the Old Testament with New Testament eyes. And even more specifically, to read the Old Testament with eyes that look forward with longing to the promises and the coming of Jesus Christ. And so in Psalm 119, I'll be drawing your attention to the way it will connect us to our Savior, Jesus Christ. And during this Christmas season, we remember and we, re we rejoice that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have beheld his glory the glory of the only begotten of Son who has come to be our Savior. That's what John 1 says. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then later on in that first chapter, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. So throughout the month, I will preach from Psalm 119 with a view to understanding that incomparable glory of the word, the word which is read and memorized and treasured and laid up in our hearts and obeyed, but also that, that word that became flesh, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Just by way of explanation, since it is a long book, I've decided to, to divide it up into four portions. Uh, I'll read five or six of those stanzas each week and to preach from them. 
So today I've already read the first five stanzas, verses 1 through 40. And in this portion, I'll focus on the first stanza, verses 1 through, uh, 1 through 8, but drawing in other aspects of the psalm as well. To lay out my purpose today, let me give you this. That God's word teaches you how to live. So live by the teaching of God's word. And throughout today, I'll be drawing out kind of a double meaning of that. The written word and the incarnate word. First of all, God's word teaches you how to live. God teaches us to live in obedience. In the first four verses, it's very plain that, what, that God has given us his word so that, that we might follow after him. I want you to listen to these verses again, verses 1 through 4, and to, and to meditate, to consider the poetry that is here. And since I mentioned that these verses are going to use a lot of different words to refer to the Bible, I want the children especially to listen and see how many different words you can hear. I'm going to raise my hand so that you can identify them and, uh, and underline so that you can see the different ways poetically the psalm is referring to God's word. So listen to the verses. Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. There's the first one. We walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies. There's another one. Who seek him with a whole heart. They also do no iniquity. They walk in his ways. There's another one. You have commanded us to keep your precepts. There's another one to keep your precepts diligently. Now, I hope I haven't distracted by uh, underlining those different words, but uh, let me ask, what is David's meaning here? Well, the meaning is that God's word teaches you how to live. It teaches you the way of righteousness. Let me show you how that works. If you look at verse 4, it says that God has commanded us to keep his precepts diligently. That's that, uh, that's that way that God's word teaches us to live. God is commanding us to obey him. This is a theme that runs all through the Bible. It starts in the Garden of Eden and continues to this very day. God created mankind and commanded all of us throughout all of history to be holy even as he is holy. And that holiness comes by obeying or following the commands of God. I'll explain later that you and I cannot be saved by our obedience because not one of us keeps God's law perfectly. Not one of us is holy as God is holy and as God expects us to be. We sin every day. I'll get to that a little more fully in a moment to the second half of the psalm. For now, just understand that God has commanded us to obey him. Well, what else? 
we will learn that that obedience is pleasing to God. That to, to walk in his ways is to do no iniquity. This, this implies that obedience is righteous. That there is approval from God by obedience. That it's pleasing to God. It also implies that disobedience is iniquity and that disobedience is displeasing to God. This comes through in verse 3. They do know iniquity. They walk in his ways. And we obey not just the laws that we like or the ones that seem convenient to us, but God calls us to seek him with our whole heart and to keep his testimonies, as verse 2 says. Let me make a connection here to Christ. If you remember in the New Testament that as Jesus talks about, about a relationship with God, he is aiming us towards, towards a relationship that's based on faith that there is obedience that's expected, but that we fall short of that. He's directing us to believe in him, to be saved. That doesn't mean that God's law is just kind of set aside, never to be read or considered again. Instead, Jesus himself said, if you love me, keep my commandments. If you love me, Keep my commandments. If you pause, I want you to notice that how startling of a claim this is. Jesus says that and communicates the commands of God. And he identifies with verses like Psalm 119 have, uh, say that, that obedience is pleasing to God. And he's equating himself and, and taking to himself the pleasing nature of obedience. If you love me, keep my commandments. He claims divine authority, and he orients obedience towards love, not mere duty. Out of love, we obey Christ, and we follow after him. By faith, we are saved, not by works, but God has prepared good works that we should follow in them. Now look at verse 1. And here we learn the great truth that the way of obedience, the way of, uh, of, of walking in the law of the Lord is the way of blessing. Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. Here I want to remind you of, of just how rich a word the word blessed is. It should remind you of Psalm 1 that we took up at the very beginning of this learning to love the Psalms. It sets out, in a sense, a theme for the whole Psalter. Verse one, uh, Psalm 1 says, Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. 
Well, here's Psalm 119, picking up that theme again. Blessed are the undefiled, or the blameless in the way. Blessed are those who walk in the way of the Lord. And that word does pack a punch. When I hear it, I think of the many ways in which God has blessed us. The many things, the good things that God pours out on his children. The blessings of peace, of forgiveness, of renewed relationship with our Heavenly Father through the work of the Spirit in our lives. The blessings of our daily bread, of approaching God in prayer, and, and on and on. You could list many blessings that come to mind. But as has been noted, you should also hear the word blessed and think of the word happy as well. Happy are those who are undefiled in the way. Happy are those who walk in the law of the Lord. And I just have to pause here and observe that we live in a world that is not very happy at this time. Mostly I see around me stress and conflict and people that are searching for unfulfilled desires. Well, where does this come from? Psalm 119 points to a root of this issue. If the way of obedience is a way of blessing and happiness, then it stands to reason that unhappiness grows out of the opposite, that unhappiness grows out of disobedience, out of, uh, out of refusing to hear the word of God and to keep his commands. I want to ask, could it be that you are weighed down today by a burden of unhappiness? Could it be that you have come searching for happiness, that you have come longing for peace, but you can't seem to find it in any of the things that you have tried in the world around you? Could it be that you have plugged your ears to the fact that God's word teaches you how to live and that Christ, the incarnate word, has beckoned you to follow him, has beckoned you to find blessing and happiness through repentance and faith and the godly life that follows. Today, if those burdens are yours, I pray that you will continue to listen to Psalm 119 and look with eyes of faith to our Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's go on in Psalm 119 because the last half of the psalm, we find that God's word reveals our disobedience. You see, it's tempting to read these psalms and to... Uh, to to say, yeah, here is a, a, a psalm that's about obedience to God's word and all of the incomparable glories of that and all of the while have that word condemning you and revealing your disobedience and your sin. Verses 5 and 8 teach what happens 
when you don't listen to God's word, when you don't obey what he has done. Once more, I'll read these verses and call attention to, again, the, uh, the way they refer to God's word. Oh, that my ways were directed to keep your statutes. Then I would not be ashamed when I look into all your commandments. I will praise you with uprightness of heart when I learn your righteous judgments. I will keep your statutes. Oh, do not forsake me utterly. Can you sense the the longing of this passage? Can you sense how God's word is revealing sin and how David soberly says, Oh, God, hear my prayers because your law is convicting me of my sins. We do not obey God's word perfectly. We do not follow him with our whole hearts. But David says, oh, that I would. Oh, that I would keep your word with my whole heart. Then I would not be ashamed. But try as I might, I fall short over and over again. And that burden of sin that is revealed by God's word, David brings up honestly and soberly. In another psalm, David says that we are all born and conceived in sins, that we are sinners from our conception. And the New Testament takes up this idea as well. Just citing one example, Paul says that all have falled, uh, all... (laughs) that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. No one is righteous. No, not one. And Paul goes on in Romans chapter 7 to say that God's commands shine this light on my life. It shines this light and I, I know who I really am. It reveals my sin to me. And in that chapter, Paul is led by the reality of God's word and that piercing light to cry out, Oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? David in Psalm 119 follows a similar thought. He cries out as well because of the shame that comes upon him for his disobedience. He promises to learn the way of obedience, to learn God's righteous judgment, to keep his statutes. And then he prays, oh, do not forsake me utterly. That would be an agonizing prayer if we were left there, wouldn't it? If salvation was based on your perfect obedience, which is God's righteous requirement, if your salvation was based on your perfect obedience, then like Paul, we would have to say, oh, wretched man, wretched woman am I, who will deliver me from this body of death? 
The word teaches us how to live in obedience. But we have all turned aside to our own path. We forsake the word of God. And if we're left there, we are left praying, oh God, do not forsake me. And by now, you may be wondering, how can I have this blessed life that Psalm 119 is speaking of? How can I have this happiness when I know that I have sinned against the Lord and do so day by day? I am not this one who walks in the way of the Lord. I am not this one who keeps the law of God perfectly. I am not one who seeks God with my whole heart. I have cherished sin. I have let it remain in my heart and in my life. How can I, a sinner, be saved? And this is where Christ steps onto the stage in incomparable glory. For the word of God became flesh and dwelt among us. The word, Jesus Christ, the second person of the Trinity, humbled himself. Without ceasing to be God, Jesus became man. He came, and in his own words, he came to reveal the Father to us and to do his will. This is what he says in John 6. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. There's that obedience that God requires. There's that heartfelt following after all of God's commands. And Jesus came and he does that. He did that perfectly throughout his entire life. He is the one who is being spoken of here, who is... Uh, is undefiled in the way, who walks in the law of the Lord, who keeps his testimonies and all of God's precepts. I like the way that Paul describes it when, in Galatians when he says, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a warm woman, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. You see, God commands us to obey, to obey him perfectly. That's what the law does. And the word teaches us how to live. It teaches us to obey, and we are born under that law. And that law condemns us because we are sinners. And so it was necessary that the word of God become flesh, that we might know the Father, that we might know the Son and the Spirit, that we might have a Redeemer who was made under the law and who kept the law perfectly. So when Psalm 119 speaks of the one who is undefiled, He's speaking of Jesus. He is speaking about more. He's speaking about the obedience that grows up out of faith, faith. But he's speaking about more. 
And he is foretelling the Messiah who would obey God perfectly. He's speaking of that perfect obedience that Jesus achieved in this life and how that obedience is received and approved by God. Blessed is that one who obeys. And Jesus is the only one who has done that perfectly and earns God's favor because of his obedience. You see, Jesus fulfills the holy requirement of God to keep all of that law with his whole heart. And that righteous obedience and the merit of Christ becomes yours when you come to Jesus in faith. For it is not by works of righteousness which we have done that we are saved, but according to his mercy he saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that having been justified by his grace, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Not one of you, not one of us, can obey God perfectly. But praise be to God that we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus, the righteous one. Jesus, who laid down his life as a payment for our sins, and who gives us his perfect robes of righteousness. That means that Psalm 119 is, is about the same message as the New Testament, that salvation is by grace, not by works, and that when saved, that Jesus sets you free to then obey, to follow after him genuinely in obedience. And so here in Psalm 119, the psalm presents Jesus and grace and gospel and the Christian life that, that, that then flows through obedience. Jesus is that righteous man who never sinned. He kept the whole law for us so that you may not be ashamed. And he took upon himself that judgment of God that we deserve so that we would not be forsaken and he has freed you from the penalty and power of sin so that you may now genuinely follow after him in faith. There is a gospel invitation then in Psalm 119 to come to Christ in whom you have redemption. God's word teaches you how to live and so live by the teaching of God's word. And hear the double meaning there. God's word, Jesus Christ, teaches you how to live by faith in the Son of God, the Righteous One. Live by believing in Jesus, that Redeemer. But God's words also are his commands that teach you how to live in obedience. And so hear it and understand it as the way of obedience. But understand it to be obedience that grows up out of faith. Please bow with me in prayer. O Lord, we rejoice at the incomparable glories of, the, of your word. 
We thank you for the glory of that written word that reveals you and reveals your ways to us. We thank you for our Savior, Jesus Christ, that we have beheld full of grace and truth. And I pray, O Lord, that by faith we would turn to you, repenting of our sins, that you unmask. And I pray, O God, that as you unmask, that you would give us hope and faith that you do forgive our sins in Jesus. And being forgiven and coming to you in faith, we pray that you would renew us so that we would follow you with our whole hearts, looking to Christ, our Redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's sing the last... uh, or the, the next portion of Psalm 119. We have a long ways to get to the last portion. Uh, we, uh, delightfully so, I hope, uh, we'll sing the E selection. And I, I like this, uh, and, and give this to you to sing as, as your prayer, that you would know God's Son, the Word that became flesh, that you would know His ways, that you would commit yourself to following after those ways. Let's sing Psalm 119E. Please stand to sing. 